Hey there. Thank you so much for checking out this message with us at Believer's Chapel. Our prayer is that you have a genuine experience with God and that you're able to connect with him in a deeper way as a result of listening to this message. Thank you again. God bless you. Good morning. So who is enjoying our series on heaven and hell so far? It's been awesome, right? So the first week, Pastor Rich talked about the fear of God. Do you remember that? Was anybody here for that? The fear of God. You know, when it comes to heaven and hell, there's something that we need to know, and that is that each one of us, at some point, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And Jesus himself will determine whether you will enter eternal life or eternal separation, right? We need to have a healthy fear of that, a healthy fear of God, and knowing that we are going to stand before him someday. Now, it would be kind of nice if he's going to judge us and say, you are worthy of eternal life and you deserve eternal separation. It would be kind of nice if he told us how he's going to judge us. What are his standards? Well, actually, he did tell us that, didn't he? So we know, we have access. He has made that information abundantly available to all of us so that we know that what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ determines our eternity. If we accept this free gift that he provided for us, then we are worthy of eternal life. Not because we are worthy, but because he is worthy and we receive his righteousness. And if we reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's our choice, we can do that. But if we reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we are choosing that eternal separation. And this is, this is a decision every single human being has to make. And it's a, it's a very serious decision, and it has eternal consequences. And last week, Pastor Kaysen talked a little bit about what heaven will be like. Who was here for that? That was pretty cool, right? The Bible describes heaven um, as this, this just beautiful, glorious place. And Pastor Kevin, Pastor Kevin, <laughs> Pastor Kaysen, when I, I, every time I think about heaven and Kaysen, it says Kevin, right? <laughs> Pastor Kaysen talked about heaven. And do you remember what he said? That heaven is the place where everything is as it should be. Heaven is the place where everything is as it should be. And all of us have that sort of internal sense when things are wrong in the world, when we see evil and hurt and suffering, we know this is not what should be. This is not how it should be. But heaven is the place where all of that has been dealt with. The curse is gone, and now God makes his dwelling with his holy people. Amen? So this morning, um, we're actually going to talk a little bit more about heaven. And I have a question for you. Have you ever thought about what are we actually going to do in heaven? Now, the Bible talks, you know, we've all probably read or heard about when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing these songs of worship to God, right? We're going to be... Um, uh, enraptured in worshiping him and amazed in awe of him and we're going to worship. So a lot of people actually have this idea of heaven that that's all that heaven is, is singing songs to God, 
singing songs of worship to God. Well, is that really all that worship is? Is worship just singing? Now, I am looking forward to, you know, I have received many gifts and many blessings from God. A beautiful singing voice is not one of them. <laughs> when I sing, I do not sound like Sarah or, or Libby or Tiffany. My kids often, when I'm singing in the van, will ask me to please stop. So I look forward to the day when I can sing songs of worship to God. And not only is it a pleasure to him, but the people around me won't mind it either. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, where I can sing and I actually might enjoy the sound of my own voice, right? So there are things we have to look forward to in heaven, but what are we, if we're not just going to be singing all the time, what are we going to be doing? So I want to um, talk to you about a long, long, long time ago, when I was a senior in high school, the year was 1992, if you can remember that long ago. I was 17 years old, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I just, I think I was just sort of enjoying being a kid, you know, and just, I did my homework and, you know, hung out with my siblings and life was fine and uncomplicated. So when I thought about choosing a career, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What am I going to do after I graduate? I had no idea. Nothing sounded good to me. And I rem remember my mom telling me, you should be a teacher. And my response to her was, absolutely not, no way. That is homework for the rest of my life. I do not want to do that. So uh, probably about two or three months before I graduated, I received a prophetic word, and when I received that word, I knew in my heart that this was a kind of knowing like I had never known something like this before. Like I just knew to the core of my being that God was calling me to go to Bible school. So this happened at a Christian camp that I was at in Lowville, New York, and I got home, and I told my mom and dad, God is calling me to go to Bible school. And they were very encouraging and supportive and you know they loved it and that fall I went to Elam Bible Institute and three years later I graduated from Elam and I moved to Syracuse and started working in a daycare. I worked in a daycare for four years and I realized you know what I love about working in a daycare? I love teaching the children. <laughs> so I had this aha moment, oh my goodness, I love teaching. So then I decided I'm going to go back to school for elementary education, and I became a kindergarten teacher, and I taught kindergarten for four years, and I absolutely loved it. And I would never go back to it, not in a million years, <laughs> now that I'm done, but I loved it when I was doing it. I loved it. Then we started having kids, and I ended up being a stay-at-home mom for 14 years, and as soon as Libby started kindergarten, I started homeschooling the kids, so I've been homeschooling them now for, she's about to start 11th grade, so it's been a while, over a decade that I've been homeschooling, and I have absolutely loved it. And during that time, I started doing some teaching here at Believer's Chapel. I started leading some small groups and teaching some classes, and once in a while I would get up and preach, and there was just this feeling of like, this is what I was created to do. I love this. 
And now I am the teaching pastor at Believer's Chapel. After 30 years ago telling my mom, I will never be a teacher. I do not want to do homework for the rest of my life. And side note, I am now taking seminary classes and I am still doing homework. I'm almost 50 years old and I just turned in my final assignment for my summer project on Friday. Yay. Glad we don't have a few weeks off. Then I'll start back up in, in um, September. So actually in the end of August. So, you know, each one of us has unique, a unique purpose. And we each have unique giftings and talents and interests. So I want to ask you a question. Do you think when God created us to be a certain way, he created us with, with gifts and interests and, and talents and abilities. Do you think that when we go to heaven, he's just going to wipe all that out? This is his creation. This is who he created us to be. And this body that he's given us will pass away, but we will live forever. Our, our personality goes on. Our spirit lives forever. And actually, we even are going to get our body back. He's not, he's not throwing your body away forever. He is actually going to resurrect your body and give it back to you, glorified, perfected, with a beautiful singing voice, and, listen, a perfect metabolism. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> All right, so, you know, we're, we will carry on in heaven we are the same people. Now, I, I have this sort of picture in my mind of heaven. I am actually an introvert, which sometimes surprises people because my ministry is more of a vocal ministry. But personally, like, I am recharged by solitude. I need times of quiet. I need times to be alone. So when I think of heaven, I just imagine that God is going to give me all of the solitude that I need, right, and no more. So there will be times where I can just go out and enjoy his creation. You know, we're going to be walking on a physical new earth. He's going to redeem the earth, just like we have resurrected bodies. There will be a new earth as well. So, you know, for me, I feel like heaven is going to be, there's times where I can just be in the presence of God and nobody else to talk to and just enjoy him. Now, my daughter Grace, that would not be called heaven for her, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> She likes people. She likes to talk. She likes interaction. That's what charges her batteries. So I imagine for grace and heaven, she's going to have all the social interaction she could desire. Now, the truth is, these are, these are uh, I'm sort of speculating here. I'm sort of um, looking at the word of God and saying, I think this is what it's going to be like. I think this is what God's going to do. And the truth is, I might be wrong, but I know this, I will not be disappointed. If there are certain things that I'm looking forward to in heaven and it's not quite that way, I won't be disappointed about it. God knows what I really need. He knows what's really going to fulfill us. His presence is going to be there with us. We're not going to be disappointed. Amen? I think when we get to heaven that I think we're going to continue to be creative. You know, um, I'm going to, actually, let's look at some of these pictures here. I think, based on 
you know, studying scripture and reading books and praying about heaven, I think we're going to have opportunities to create art. I want you to look at, we're just going to look at some pictures here of the great artist. And I want you to think about who God is as a creator. And the incredible beauty that we see here on this earth now and in this universe now that is actually currently under a curse. And think about the, the look at this, the, the universe, we're learning more and more, we're seeing these pictures of like, there are galaxies and galaxies way beyond what we can comprehend or imagine. The number of stars, the number of galaxies, the expanse of the universe, and this is all, we're looking at creation that is currently under the curse. And eventually, God is going to make a new heavens and a new earth redeemed from the curse. Can you even imagine the beauty and the, the color and the grandeur of what that must be like? And you think about, okay, this is who God is, this incredible artist that makes things beautiful. I mean, there is, there is so much beauty in creation beyond what any of us have ever even seen, beyond what any human eye has ever even seen. Even the, I don't know if you have ever heard Chris Roop speak, which if you haven't, you need to, it's amazing. But he talks about the incredible beauty of microbiology down to inside of our cells, which at one point they thought was just, our cells were just kind of blobs of goo. And now he says, in each cell, it's like, they were saying, it's like an entire city. It's so complex. And now, the last time I heard him speak, he said, actually, we're discovering more and more that inside every cell, it's so complex. It's like an entire universe in, our, in our, the minutia of our tiny little cells. It just boggles the mind, right? And this is our creator God. So because of all of these things, I don't think when God creates the new heavens and new earth, he's going to stop creating after that. I think he's going to continue to create. And I think we are going to continue to be creative. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if heaven is perfect and we create art or music or literature in heaven, won't we be making it less perfect if we add to something that's perfect? But if you think about it, if you think about flowers in spring are perfect in spring, and colorful leaves are perfect in the fall. There is perfection in the changing of seasons. So I think it's very reasonable to think there may be some progress that happens in heaven. There may be some change. There may be some seasons. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. I think we have that. That says... This is verse 1. We'll go right to verse 2. Uh, Through the middle of the street of the city also, on either side of the river, that was the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. So here we see the tree of life. This is what, this is what the Bible actually says about heaven, right? There's going to be this city, New Jerusalem, that comes down out of heaven, connecting heaven and earth. 
There's this river of life that flows through the city and on each side of the river is planted the trees of life and there seems to be some kind of seasons here, some kind of passing of time here. Now how time is gonna work in heaven, I don't know because we know from, from the Bible that God himself is outside of time and we are bound by linear time right now, but it appears that there is gonna be some sort of accounting for time because it says each fruit has a month and then the next month is the next fruit. So will it be exactly how we experience time now? I don't know. But it does seem like there is some sort of passage of time. So let me ask you a question. Do you think, I'm gonna take a poll. Raise your hand if you think that we will be working in heaven. Who thinks we're gonna work in heaven? All right, so who thinks, absolutely not, no way, work is drudgery, we are not going to have to work in heaven? All right, so there are a few people who say no work in heaven. Some people say we are going to work in heaven. Now, have you ever known somebody, or maybe you yourself are retired, somebody who has retired? Now, I remember when I was young, probably sometime in the 80s, my grandfather, he was a Methodist minister, we called him Pop-Up, was retiring from ministry for the third or fourth time. And I remember my parents joking about it and saying, Pop-Pop is retiring again. I wonder if it's gonna stick this time. <laughs> because he just couldn't not be a minister. That's just who he was and he couldn't not do it. You know, so I, we, we sort of, in our, in our culture, in our society, we have this idea that the, the best life is to work to a certain age, and then after that age, do nothing. We're just going to be in retirement. We're going to do nothing. But anybody that I've known who has entered retirement and done absolutely nothing, they tend to decline very quickly. They tend to become depressed very easily if they don't have something to do. Because that's not, we weren't created to do nothing, right? We were created for work, but not just work that is um, difficult and draining. You know, that's, that is a part of the curse. All of the thorns came as part of the curse. Um, I want to look at uh, Revelation 22, 3 with you for a second, okay? So Revelation 22, verse 3 says this. I want to check what version we have. Okay, good. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will what? Worship him. So this is from a translation called um, the ESV, and we're going to look at it again in the NIV now. So this version says this. Do we have that? The NIV says this. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will, I don't think we have it up here, his servants will serve him. So this is the same word in the Greek. The NIV says serve, the SV says worship. Well, that same word means both things. It means we serve him, our service to him is worship. So on this earth that we're currently in, everything that we do, that we do unto God, 
is an act of worship. So somehow in heaven, what we know for sure is that we will worship God by serving him. Now, um, there's a website called gotquestions.org, and I have a quote from them. They have an article that's called, Will We Work in Heaven? And this is a quote from that article. It says, in our current world, we have this command. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. The, that's from Colossians 3.23. The work that Christians perform in heaven will have the same goal, to be an act of worship glorifying the Lord. The difference will be that in eternity, the work that God has prepared for us will be instantly rewarding, constantly refreshing, and perfectly suited for who we were created to be. So it really paints a beautiful picture of what work is like in heaven. Work is really just service to God. Now, in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, there was work. Right? So Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is before sin. And then in verse 20, it says that um, there was not a helper found suitable for him, so God created Eve to be his helper. And this is not the kind of helper like when my kids were little and they wanted to help me cook dinner. That's not the kind of helper that Eve was, <laughs> right? She, is, she was created to be a co-worker with him, a co-laborer with Adam. So Adam and Eve were created to work before sin entered the picture. God himself, Jesus even says in um, John 5, 7, he says, my father has been working until now and I am working. So if God works and Jesus works and Adam and Eve worked in the Garden of Eden before there was sin, I think it's probably a pretty good bet that we're going to be doing some work when we're in heaven, but without the curse. Can you imagine work without the curse? Without the, without the toil, without the thorns, without the miscommunication between people, without the exhaustion, without the frustration, without the stress of deadlines that I don't know if I can meet, without uh, taking on more than we can handle, to be able to work in a way that's, that's fulfilling, that's uh, pleasurable for us as it honors God and glorifies him. It sounds pretty good, right? So is work, oh, I wanted to read this quote. Randy Alcorn has this quote. I think we have it up here. As Randy Alcorn states in his book, Heaven. So he wrote a book on heaven. It's a great book to check out. Um, it's, it is based on scripture, but he does some sort of, um, I would say, educated, educated guesses based on scripture. This seems reasonable for what we can expect in heaven. So it's a really interesting read. He says this, we'll also have work to do, satisfying and enriching work that we can't wait to get back to, work that will never be drudgery. Amen? Sounds pretty good. So we know we're going to worship in heaven. We're going to serve him in heaven, which probably involves some sort of work that will be very fulfilling and perfectly suited for what we were created for. Is that all we're going to do in heaven? Worship and work. Well, scripturally, no. We can see some pictures in heaven. Yes, we are going to worship God in song. 
absolutely. We are, heaven is also going to be a place of spiritual rest for us. So we'll be able to rest in heaven. We'll have the perfect balance of work and rest. We will, the Bible indicates that we will be eating and drinking in heaven. We will also reign with Christ. Scripture says we'll reign with Christ. Now we picture reigning as like, um, I'm, the, I'm the king over a kingdom or whatever, so I'm reigning. I don't know if we're going to be reigning and ruling over other people in heaven or whether we'll be ruling and reigning over creation and over the angels. But either way, reigning with Christ, it, it involves some sort of leadership and some sort of decision-making, right? So we'll be reigning with Christ. We will, we will continue to learn in heaven. Now, I've heard, ha, heard people have this discussion before. When we get to heaven, are we going to instantly know everything all at once? Well, let's think about it this way. When you get to heaven, will you become God? No, we're not going to become God. There are some essential attributes of God that are God's alone that make him God. One is his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. So when we get to heaven, does the Bible indicate whatsoever that we will become all-powerful like God? No. The answer is no. Don't be afraid to answer. It's okay. <laughs> no, we are not going to become all-powerful when we get to heaven. Um, another one is his... Uh, omnipresence, which means he is everywhere all the time. He's present everywhere. Well, when we get to heaven, are we going to be omnipresent? Are we going to be everywhere all at once? Well, we have, we're going to have resurrected bodies, so we're not going to be just spirit. We're not going to be omnipresent. So another central attribute of God is omniscience. That means he knows everything. So when we get to heaven, are we going to become omniscient? No. I think that we are going to have, when we get to heaven, when we enter the presence of God, I think we are going to have perfect perspective right away. And I think there will be things about earth that have confused us and things about our life that have confused us that when we enter the presence of God, all of a sudden, we will have this perspective and say, ah, oh, I get it. I understand now. But will we have things that we continue to learn? Well, God himself is endless. And even if you look at the universe that we're in now, imagine how long will it take to learn everything about every star and every galaxy and every planet and everything on every planet and every attribute of God and every relational characteristic of God. We'll never get to the end of learning. We'll continue to learn forever. Here's another thing that's going to happen in heaven. We're going to enjoy rewards. Now, Matthew chapter 6, you've probably heard this verse that says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Now, it doesn't say in that verse whether these treasures are physical or spiritual, but we will have physical bodies, and we will be on a physical heaven, earth, together, right? New heavens and new earth. So it is certainly possible that these treasures are physical. But either way, whether they're physical or spiritual, why would Jesus offer us treasures that we won't be able to enjoy? 
So just this promise of having treasures, storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven, means that there's going to be opportunity to enjoy these things, to enjoy some sort of treasures. And the Bible, you know, it doesn't give us a whole lot of specifics about what heaven is going to be like, but it gives us enough that if we think about it, and if we read about it, and if we study, it, it stirs up a hunger in us for our homeland. You know, and we know this is what we are created for. Hebrews 11 talks about this, about the heroes of the faith, faith all these people of the Old Testament, and how this, they, they recognize this is not their homeland. And the fullness of the promises did not come until they reached the heavenly city, their heavenly homeland. And we all have that in us, that, that hunger for everything to be right, for everything to be as it should be. I have another quote here from Randy Alcorn from his book, Heaven. And I love this. I want you to really think about this quote. He's talking about this world not being our home. So I should have it up here. But it says this, Randy Alcorn says this, we've probably all heard it said, this world is not our home. I used to say it true. I used to say it too. It's true, but it's a half truth. We should qualify it to say this world as it is now under the curse is not our home. But we should also say this world as it once was before sin and curse was our home. And we should add this world as it one day will be delivered from the curse will be our home. Amen? Now I have, as I was preparing this message and reading and praying and studying, I kept having this picture come back to my mind of like little kids, there's, there's this house. Actually, I picture it as my house where we live now in Kirkville. There's kids playing in the snow outside and it's getting like towards dusk. And, you know, it's kind of, they were having fun, but it's kind of starting to get a little bit cold now and it's getting harder for them to see. So, you know, they're, they are, it's time for them to come inside, right? And it, it just, you know, they were, they, the, the kids are playing in their front yard. That's their home, right? It's their home, but it's not their ultimate home. It's not the fullness of their home. It's that, that you know, it's getting dark. It's getting cold. It's time to come home. And I just, I hope I'm explaining this right, that this, this, this earth, this world, it is our home, but it's not our final home. It's not the fullness of our home. So I just, I can picture looking up at the house and it's getting really dark outside and the door to the house is open and there's just this warm glow coming out the front door. And I can see Jesus standing there by the door and he's saying, it's time to come in. Come inside. Everything that you need is in here. We have a hot shower. We have dry clothes. We have a warm blanket. We have hot chocolate on the stove. We have a fire in the fireplace. I am present here to spend time with you. Your family is here. Everything that you need is here. And I picture these kids in the front yard and they're looking up at this house that has everything that they need. 
and they're looking at the door, and they say to Jesus, I want to come in. I want that to be my home. But I don't want to go through that door. I want, can you go unlock a window and I'm going to climb in a window? And Jesus says, no. I'm here, this is the door, the door is open. But you have to come in through the door. And then the kids say, no, well, if you can't unlock a window, can you go out back and shovel the snow away from the back door and unlock the back door? Let me in the back door. Jesus says, no, this is the way. This is the door. This is your home. Come in. This is where everything that you will ever need is here. And the door is open. But you have to come in through the door. And Jesus is that door. And he's asking you today to come in. And the minute that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you start to step into that heavenly realm right here on earth. And he begins to bring heaven and earth together right in your own life. So you begin to have that experience of what it's like to be redeemed of what it's like to be in his presence. But we have to do it his way. Jesus is the son of God who came to earth to die and be buried and raised again because every single one of us have sinned. So he paid the price. He lived a perfect life. And he paid the price so that we could come in that door. So that we could be there with him. And all we have to do is say yes. I'm coming in that door. And if you've never made that decision, today is the day to make that decision and say, yes, I'm coming in that door. I'm going to do it your way. You provided the way. I'm not going to try to sneak in a window. I'm not going to try to break in the back door. I'm not going to try to tell you that I'm good enough without you. I can do it my own way. I'm going to accept the provision that you made for me. I'm going to walk through that door. And for those of us who have done that, think about the people you know who have not made that decision yet. And a part of our job is to point them to that house and say, that is your home and that is the door. Amen? Because this this earth that we are living on and these bodies that we're living in, there will be an end. And after that, nobody else can choose one way or the other. That's it. The decision's been made. So today is the day to make that choice. And today is the day to share that choice with somebody else. Share that opportunity with somebody else. And it's just as easy as saying, Lord Jesus, I know that you are the son of God, that you died for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I choose to turn away from sin and turn to you and walk through that door. Amen? That's it. Listen, if you are making that decision today for the first time, text us, 315-444-2100, so we can connect with you, so we can support you and encourage you in that decision. If you don't feel like texting, just stop by outside in the lobby and talk to Pastor Case and let him know I made that decision today. Amen. I want to, I'm going to close by reading, you know, some of the things that we talked about um, are things that Scripture has said. This is what heaven's going to be like. Some of the things we talked about are a little bit educated guesses, right? 
but I'm gonna read to you something that the Bible actually says about heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21, verses one through five says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Imagine that. God himself wiping away every tear from your eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne. He who was seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." The Bible tells this tells us this about heaven so that we can have hope. The whole book of Revelation, it's written so that people will have hope when hardship comes, when pain comes, when persecution comes, when difficulty comes. We know that that's not the end of the story. We know that we were created for something better and we know that he is trustworthy and true. And that hope is the fuel that can help get us through the difficult things, the painful things the sorrowful things. We have this hope. Heaven is real. And we really can be there with God forever if we accept his son. Amen. God bless. Thank you again for checking out this message. If you would like help taking your first steps on your faith journey, you can text the number 315-444-2100 and include the word Jesus in your text. We're going to follow up with you and help you get started. God bless you and thank you again.